everybody. If you would, stand to your feet. Let's worship the Lord because he is faithful.
If you would, you can find your place. Go ahead and be seated. We're going to continue to worship in just a moment. But first, Brother Martin is going to give us the announcements fresh from his tour of Italy. Amen. Good morning. Or I guess, buonasera. Oh, salve. That's how uh, we've been saying good morning in the past 16 days. So my family and I had the luxury of uh, going to Italy for uh, 16 days. It was amazing. Uh, started off in Rome, went to a little village or five little villages, Florence, Tuscany area, and I got to drive over there in Tuscany. It was amazing. They drive like I do. Sometimes on my side of the road, sometimes on their side of the road, we got along great. So, And then we ended up uh, finishing our trip in Venice, and if you ever get an opportunity, just all the, all the beautiful paintings, all the Western civilization that started there, all the Christian stuff that started there, it was just absolutely mind-blowing. So, um, good to be back, though. Didn't want to come back. Wanted to be Italian. So, uh, do we have... We do need help for teachers and helpers with our children and our toddlers on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights. If you are interested, Miss Cindy's not here, but uh, if you are interested, just see her. Oh. She's not in her usual spot. Okay. She's back there. 
So you can do uh, giving or tithing the old way with an envelope, or we do have a website, uh, giving.landmarktyler.com. I actually have started doing it that way. Um, if you have one of those pretty credit cards that gives you points, that's what, how I do it now. So uh, giving.landmarktyler.com. You do not need PayPal in order to do that where you used to. Uh, we do have a men's conference coming up June the 16th. Um, it will be at Tony Evans Church. You can turn your money in today if you haven't already. And I'm sure there's probably a sign-up sheet back here. It's or already closed off. Already closed off. Give us your money. <laughs> Next thing we have is a church-wide picnic and baptisms like we've been doing the past couple years. So this will be the third annual church-wide picnic and baptisms at Green Acres uh, retreat center on lake tyler and that's going to be next sunday june 11th we will be feeding you um i believe i've seen chips and desserts and pull, we're having pulled pork sandwiches um the meat's already in the freezer so uh what do we need waters drinks um, i think mainly at this point just need waters waters so bring waters please um teen camp we have teen camp coming up and it will be july 17th through the 21st uh, we have 25 spots available. I started taking the, or making a list of the kids that are uh, going. So you guys know that we have a special ministry when it comes to uh, kids or teenagers. Um, a lot of them don't come unless that yellow bus goes and picks them up. So a lot of times it's hard for those kids to give any money. So if you would like to sponsor a kid, the cost of camp is right at $300 per kid. Those that are able, if they are able, we ask about $100. If they're not able to give any money, which is probably the majority of them, no kid in the 16, 17 years that I've done this has ever not gone to church camp because they couldn't pay for it. And so um, I do thank you from the bottom of my heart that we have people that are willing uh, to give, and we've had lots of kids saved, lots of kids nail down their salvation, and lots of kids just have that encounter with Christ where Christ is real. So if you would like to sponsor somebody, either see me or see Brother Mark. Uh, we also have Vacation Bible School coming up, and that will be August the 2nd through the 5th. It's going to be during the evenings. We will need lots of volunteers and helpers and teachers. You can see Brother Mark for that if you can help. And then we also have Revival coming up with uh, Brother Herman Kramer. Oh, yeah. Hill Creek Baptist Church, okay. So uh, that's going to be tonight? Uh, it starts tonight and goes through tomorrow. Okay, so uh, if you can support or want to hear some great music and preaching, uh, it's, that's that little pretty church on the way to White House on the left-hand side. Am I correct in saying that? Okay. And then everybody's invited to a baby shower June the 17th from 1 to 3 for Angela Daniels and Corley Sherman at Miss BJ's house. Um, and they are registered at Walmart if you want to give anything. And then also, you know, that's Father's Day, too. Okay. All right. All right. But other than that, let's do uh, praise and worship. And it's good to be back. Amen. Yes. Don't forget, we also have a memorial service for the Walter Deal on the 17th at 1.30. Amen. So, and I know all that's Father's Day weekend, but guess what? It's all happening one way or another. Amen. So, uh put your father in there also amen take him out to eat all right daddies don't get the respect mamas do amen so give it to him amen are y'all ready to worship y'all stand up now all right 
Let's continue to worship. Brother Chris is going to lead us in leaning on the everlasting arms. Amen. There you go.
Father, come to your throne of grace. Lord, we ask that you forgive us where we fail you so often. Father, wipe the slate clean, Lord, that we may be able to worship you in truth and holiness this morning. Father, let your Holy Spirit invade this place to invade every heart and every mind that the outside world would leave us, Father, for a moment. That your blood would be poured over this house and over every heart. Father, let us worship you in spirit and truth this morning. Let us hear your words, Father, from the messenger that you have sent to us. Lord, that we may know you in a closer, more intimate way. Let living water pour forth this morning, Lord, and fill every thirsty heart that has come to seek you out. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you in the name that is above every name, in the name of Jesus Christ, the light of the Gentiles and the glory of his people Israel. And in his name we give glory to you. Amen. Let's give the Lord one more clap offering this morning because he's worthy of our praise. Amen. You can be seated. You've got any children that would like to go to Children's Church? Uh, you can meet Miss Cindy over there at the door and uh, always have a wonderful lesson for you. Give our children, our children's workers a big hand if you would. Thank you for your sacrifice and all that you do to help us with the children. And I can proudly say at Landmark, they don't just get, you don't get babysitting. Uh, they get a they get a Bible lesson. They get uh, they get ministered to, Amen, in a wonderful way. So, all right. Well, I've been talking about bravery. How many of you have felt braver over the last couple of weeks? There's one. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. One was awake and was listening. Amen. Uh, we all need to be braver, don't we? Uh, we're talking about courage and how do we be brave. How do we stand up uh, when it's time to stand up? And I think you would all agree that uh, we live in a day and time where it's never been more important to stand up for what you believe in. It's never been more important to be courageous. Uh, but that's easier said than done, isn't it? So today, uh, we're continuing on talking about bravery as we go towards Father's Day because a lot of when we talk about bravery, a lot of people see that as the what we're to do as men. And men, I believe we are the leaders Men, if you are not the spiritual leader in your home, you need to change that. Amen. Women, if, uh, if you're in the way, get out of the way. Let your man lead. Amen. That's the way God designed it. If you read your Bible, you can't just like, like the parts you like and throw away the other parts. Uh, so encourage your man to lead. Uh, and that may mean that you have to kind of step back out of the way and let him lead. And don't expect him to lead like you would lead because he won't do that. Amen. Uh, but and he may not do it perfectly. He may make mistakes. Guess what? He's human. We're all human. Amen. Uh, none of us are perfect. There are no perfect leaders. I'll start right here. Amen. There are no perfect leaders. All right. Don't put me on a pedestal because all I'm going to do when you put me on a pedestal is I'm going to fall off. Amen. And so there is one to look at. There is one to keep your eyes on. His name is Jesus. He's got nail scars in his hands. I don't. Amen. But we all need to say, what can I do? How can I be brave? How can I stand strong? And one of the greatest stories in the Bible, uh, probably all of us have heard it, maybe when you were a kid, maybe in, uh, in uh, 
Vacation Bible School, like we've got coming up. And it's a story called Daniel and the Lion's Den. Anybody remember the story of Daniel and the Lion's Den? And Daniel had to uh, stand strong. He had to be a man of courage. Now, can I say this before we dive into the story? That a lot of people, if you uh, saw a picture or a painting of this story depicting Daniel in the lion's den, or if you saw, um, you remember the days when they had the old flannel stories and the teacher would put the little flannel figures up there? Most of the time, if you saw those pictures or you saw those flannel graphs, it would depict David, I mean Daniel, I'm sorry, it would depict Daniel as a young man, handsome young man. And they'd put Daniel up there, and they'd put the lions like little bitty kitty cats laying next to him. And he was just kind of petting those lions like kitty cats, and they were just purring. Can I tell you, that's not the way the story went at all. In fact, here's a fact you may not know. Daniel, most Bible scholars believe at the time, was 80 years old when this story happened. So, number one, he ain't no young man. He's an old man. And uh, if you read it the proper way... It wasn't that the lions laid down like kitty cats next to uh, Daniel. Uh, when the king comes, and we'll get to this part of the story, but when the king comes and asks Daniel, Daniel, what happened? Daniel says, the Lord was with me, and he closed the mouths of the lions. So in order to close the mouth of a lion, what has to have happened? The lion has to have opened his mouth. So the picture that you got was just Daniel walks in. Lord's going to protect me. No big deal. I'm just going to sit on this rock over here. Lion's going to come up, just be my little kitty cats, and they're just going to purr, and that's the way that story happened. That is not the way the story happened. They came at him. Uh, again, the Bible, in order to close the mouth, the mouth has to have been open towards you. So the lions came. They tried to attack him, but the Lord protected him and closed the mouths of the lions. Okay? So uh, let's begin the story. Daniel chapter 6 is where we're at. So if you'll turn there. Daniel chapter 6, we're going to start with verses 1 through 3. It says this, uh, It pleased Darius, this was the king at the time, to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. I'll explain satraps in just a minute. To be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them, so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. All right, let's break that down. So first off, it talks about these 120 satraps. A satrap was another uh, word for kingdom protectors. So again, this is a, a large, when, uh, when we talk about these guys being in charge, it was not like in being in charge of 100 people. This was over an entire kingdom, thousands and thousands of people. And so 120 guys were appointed, and they were kingdom protectors. And they each had their little division of what they were supposed to do. Now, the job of the satraps was threefold. They were to be uh, administrators, and they were to oversee their areas to prevent rebellion. And they were to decide and levy what the taxes were for their area. Uh, so they were kind of like, uh, I guess, the mayor, you would say, the mayor of each town, all right? So these 120 satraps were the mayors, and then the king, King Darius, had set up three guys to be over those 120, and they were like area managers, and they were to oversee a certain number, uh, 120 divided by three, what's that, 40? 
So they were, each one of those guys was over 40 satraps, all right? And so there were three of these, and Daniel was one of these. And Daniel loved the Lord. He served the Lord with all of his heart, soul, mind, and body, and God had favor on him. And because of this favor, uh, King Darius was impressed with him and had set him up. And the word was going around that King Darius was going to put Daniel over these three governors and let him rule the entire thing. The king was going to kind of step back and say, Daniel, you come up, you run the entire kingdom. I'll put another guy in your place and you be over these three governors. Okay. So you had, you had like the mayors of the towns, you had like these three that were acting kind of as the governor. And then uh, now Daniel is going to be uh, promoted to where he is in charge of the entire kingdom. All right. So guess what? These two other administrators, what do you think happened? They don't like it. Why does Daniel get special treatment? What's he got that I ain't got? They get in the flesh. Now, before you get too holy, understand that's probably what you and I would do. Amen? You work at your job. I've been there just as long as Daniel. Why is Daniel getting promoted? Why am I not getting promoted? Amen? And we want the truth many times. Unfortunately, if you want the truth, be careful if you ask for it because you're probably going to get it. Uh, you know, why didn't I get that promotion? Probably because you were not as good as the other person. Probably because, you know, the, they had some questions. Or maybe, maybe that's not true. I'm not saying the world is fair. We all know it isn't. Amen. We're fixing to see that uh, when good things happen, it don't necessarily mean everything goes smooth. All right. So you would think that Daniel is set up and, man, he's getting ready to be promoted. And everything is going to be wonderful. But it is not so. What happens many times when God chooses to bless you, other people get angry. Other people get jealous. Other people want to rise up against you. And you may say, well, I'm the sweetest person. This is the way I feel about Mark Trammell. Mark Trammell, honey drips from my lips. Why would, why would nobody like Mark Trammell? Why would anybody disagree with Mark Trammell? Why would anybody have any kind of a grievance against Mark Trammell? But guess what? This is what happens. And it can be a lot of different reasons. Jealousy, envy, uh, feeling like I got shafted, you, that's not fair. All right? So a lot of different things. So in other words, these two guys, they get jealous, and so they begin to plot, and they say, we're not going to let Daniel be in charge of us, so we're going to plot against him, okay? So we're going to continue the story, and as we continue the story, we're going to look at three truths to help you stand strong. Because Daniel didn't do anything wrong. Daniel was just blessed because God's favor was on him. You ever heard me preach about God's favor? God's favor is when his hand is upon you and his protection is upon you and his favor is upon you. Uh, and all of us are Christians, but guess what? Not all of us walk in God's favor. What is the difference when you walk in favor? It's when you walk uh, totally with him. When that verse that says, what's the greatest of these things? It's to love the Lord, the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. And so Daniel was just doing this. Daniel was faithful. He was doing exactly what God had called him to do, and he didn't do anything wrong. But yet this jealousy rises up against him, and anytime God tries to do something in your life, there will be opposition. I didn't say might be. I said there will be. Because the devil doesn't like it. The devil doesn't like when God's favor is being poured out and distributed among people. And so he will oppose it, and he will try to throw a monkey wrench in there, if you will, okay? So let's look at this. All right, three truths 
to help you stand strong. Number one, when God raises you up, expect people to tear you down. Now, you may look up here and you may look and say, that job looks easy. It ain't that easy. Uh, leading people is not easy. If you feel like God is calling you to do something, I can guarantee you it is not easy. And you notice what it says. It doesn't say maybe people will tear you down. It says expect people to tear you down. If God's going to do something, the devil don't like it, and he's going to do everything he can to get in the way, and he will try to discourage you, knock you down, tear you down. My biggest responsibility is, number one, to do what God tells me to do. Number two, to just be faithful. Why do I keep showing up here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday? You think I feel like coming, in, coming here and preaching at you every Sunday? No. But it's what God called me to do. I continue to be faithful. And whether you agree with me or not, I hope you agree with me. Maybe you say, well, Brother Mark, I don't think you do this enough. I don't think you preach on this enough. I'm not, that's wonderful, and you are entitled to your opinion. But there is only one opinion that I really care about, and that is what does God think? What is God telling me to do? And so sometimes I tell people, sometimes people come to me and they say, well, Brother Mark, I don't feel like you do this enough, or I don't feel like there's enough focus on this on the church, and many times it's people that feel like they've been called to ministry, and I tell them, that's wonderful, and if that's your, uh, if that's what God's calling you to do, that's wonderful, but I believe God's called you to do that, so go down the road and start that. I'm just trying down here to do what God's called me to do, amen, and I don't, I don't know that you'll always agree with it, I don't know what you always think, but maybe you need to go down, if that's your calling, if that's what you think ought to be done, Go down the road and start something else. That's fine. Amen. People start churches every day. Uh, but here's the thing. I'm just trying to do what I feel like God is calling me to do. Amen. And that's all you need to worry about. Your family will have an opinion. Have you discovered this? Opinions are like belly buttons. Sometimes they're just saying it's, a, it's another body part. We're not going to go there. Amen. But opinions are like belly buttons. Everybody's got one. And sometimes everybody wants to show you their belly button. I really don't want to see your belly button, amen? And you don't want to see mine, amen? But that's what opinions are like. And it's wonderful. You are entitled to your opinion. It's wonderful that you have an opinion. But many times we are too eager to share, and we're too eager to go over all those things. And, again, if you can keep God happy, if you can satisfy God that's a big, that's a full-time job right there. And that you got a full-time job just trying to keep God happy. I'm just trying to do what God told me to do. And you can have an opinion. We can all have an opinion. But at the end of the day, I'm only going to listen to the main opinion. And that's what, what does God think? Amen. So when God raises you up, expect people to tell you. Let's continue the story. Uh, verses 4 and 5 of Daniel 6. It says this. So the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Now, in government, this is pretty amazing, amen? Uh, what are most elections about? It ain't about who can do the best or who's, got, who's the best candidate. It's a bunch of mudslinging these days, isn't it? I'm going to tell you everything's wrong with the other candidate. 
I'm not even going to necessarily focus on the things that I could do as a candidate. I'm going to spend all of my money and all my time tearing the other guy down, telling you what's wrong with the other guy. And if you dig deep enough, I can guarantee you this. You want to find dirt in my life, your life, you dig deep enough, you'll find it. But this says a whole lot about Daniel, doesn't it? They're trying to dig up dirt. They can't find any dirt to dig up. They're trying to find skeletons in the closet. They can't find no bones. Amen. This, says, this tells you what kind of a guy Daniel was, okay? So, um, so they try to find some fault in him, all right? Many people think that serving God, uh, nothing should go wrong. There should be no opposition. And so they are not ready to face opposition. Obedience to God, they're not ready to be used by God. The other two administrators uh, went to King Darius, and so here was their approach. We're going to go to King Darius, and they start to butter him up. They start to try and get favor with King Darius. They figure, all right, Daniel's got favor with him. Let's go in, and we'll butter the king up, and we will try to get favor from King Darius. So they go in, and they try to find something against him, but the only thing they can do is they say, um, look at the last part. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. You want to know if you call yourself a Christian where people are going to attack you? In your Christianity, in your walk with the Lord. We live in a culture today, you are not the majority. Can I tell you this today? At one time, if you called yourself a Christian, you were in the majority. Can I tell you, I don't know whether you realize it or not today, but you are in the minority as Christians. That means we are swimming upstream, aren't we? We are salmon swimming upstream. And I'm here to tell you, uh, they could not find any fault in him, so they said, let's try to attack his religion. Let's try, try to attack his faithfulness. That's really the only place we can cause him trouble because they knew he was a very dedicated man, he was a very faithful man, and they knew that he had these things. So they issue a law. They, they convince the king, King Darius, they butter him up, and they convince the king, you know, king, you're so great that everybody ought to bow down to you three times a day and everybody ought to pray to you. And uh, the kings realized they were not gods, but they liked to be treated like gods. And so King Darius let his ego get the best of him. He listened to what, you remember, itching ears? He listened to what he wanted to hear. And he said, you know, that's, that's pretty good. I, I'd like to have this giant statue of me. And I'd like to see everybody bowing down to that statue. That would be awesome. You know, you guys are right. That, that does sound good. And so King Darius, even though he wasn't necessarily a bad guy, he agrees to this. And they say, so for 30 days, we're going to issue a decree that uh, anyone that prays to any god, little g, but you, King Darius, for the next 30 days, they shall be put in the lion's den. And they convinced King Darius to make this decree. Because once a king made a decree, he could not go back on it. And so they knew this was a trap to get Daniel because they knew he was faithful to his God and he would not bow to any other God or King Darius, even though him and King Darius had a very good relationship. But once the, once the king had made this decree, he could not go back on it. And so they knew this. And so they tricked the king, really. All right. Uh, so Daniel, at this point, has three choices. They issue this decree and Daniel says, OK, they've issued a decree. And at this point, he has three choices. I can stop praying. I can just pray silently and just do it, you know, without doing it out loud so that nobody really knows. Or I can keep praying out loud just like I've been doing and risk death. 
So he has three choices. Uh, one of them requires a whole lot of courage. The other two, it's kind of like I'm just going to sweep it under the rug and pretend like it's not going on. Okay? So that's kind of the easy way out, if you will, the coward's way out. Okay? So he has to make up his mind. Uh, so how did he have such faith to stand strong? That brings me to number two. And number two is really, really good because how did Daniel fight this battle? It is not a battle of flesh and blood, is it? We've heard this before. It is a spiritual battle. So number two is kneeling to pray is what gives you the strength to stand. Now, you and I live in a day where here's what we could have done. If I were Daniel, I could have gone straight to the king and said, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, petition you and I'm going to petition these two other governors and I'm going to I'm going to have a sit down and I'm going to uh, have a lockout I'm not going to work I'm not going to do all these things and I'm going to pick it pick at the office here and I'm going to do all these things uh, all these things to draw attention to myself and fight I try to fight the battle for myself do you know what um, what Daniel decided to do he decided to get on his knees because the most powerful thing you can do is pray. If you want to fight your battles, you need to get on your knees. Unfortunately, even as Christians, here's what we say. Well, I've done everything else. I guess I need to just pray now. That's stupid thinking. That's weak thinking. Because what that says is, is I guess if nothing else worked, I guess I'll just pray. When God tells you the strongest thing you have in your arsenal, the best way to fight the battle is to get on your knees and pray. It's the most powerful weapon you have. All right? So this is what Daniel decides to do. Let's go to verse 10. And it says this. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Now, again, Daniel's 80 years old. He's wise. He's faithful. All right? He's been doing this for at least probably 70-something years, and he's not going to stop now. And he says, I'm just going to go home. I could go to the office. I could go to the king myself. I could go to these two guys and accuse them of being dirty, rotten, stinking guys, and I could do all that. But instead, I'm going to go to my upper room, and I'm going to get down on my knees three times a day, and I'm going to do just what I've always done. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to be faithful, and I'm going to leave the results to God. That, and that doesn't seem like a lot, but it took a lot of courage to take that stand. Say, I'm not going to shut up. I'm not going to pray silently. I'm going to go, and I'm going to do it just like I've been doing it, and I'm going to continue to remain faithful. All right? Here is the thing I want you to get out of this point right here. Our first response to problems should never be panic, but always be prayer. What is human nature? The minute opposition comes, the minute problems come, I want to panic. And I want to go to everybody, and I want to get everybody else's opinion. And instead of going to God first, we go to God last. That's why we're so messed up, because that's our strategy. Our strategy is normally, well, I'm going to go talk to 20 other people about this, get their opinions, and see what they say. And then if I don't like what they say, or if that doesn't seem to work, then I guess if I got no other choice, I guess I'll go to God. That's why we're messed up. That's why we're weak. That's why we're defeated before we ever start. God says, am I first? Why did you not come to me first? Why are you not on your knees first? I have all the answers. 
these others, and they may be very good people, these 20 people you went to, but they are not God. And they don't have God's will, and they don't know, they can't tell you what God wants you to do. And so you must understand, never panic, always pray. All right? Notice what he does. Daniel does not announce it. He doesn't uh, put it on social media. He doesn't go, hashtag praying. That's what we do, isn't it? Hey, serving God, hashtag serving God, out here on the mission field, out here praying. I'm on my knees. Everybody see me? Selfie, praying selfie. We can do the right thing and totally do it with the wrong attitude. If you're doing it to draw attention to yourself, here's what I'm telling you. Just shut up and do what you need to do. Don't try to draw attention to yourself. Here's my tithe. Everybody see my check? Social media has ruined us. Here's the thing. God tells us to do it quietly. Don't bring attention to yourself. If you're going to fast, don't tell people you're going to fast. Every time I see somebody fasting, how do I know they're fasting? Because they told me, or they're hashtagging it, or they're putting it on social media. That's the exact, read your Bible. That's the exact opposite of what the Bible tells you to do. If you've told anybody, you've just kind of removed most of the effectiveness of it. Amen? Do it in secret. Go and pray. Notice what Daniel did. He just said, I'm going to be faithful. I'm not going to announce it. I'm not going to put it on social media. I'm just going to do what I've always done. Seek God. Don't advertise. Just stand. How do we stand? How, how does this relate to today? Here's how it would relate to today. My child wants to play sports. They're very good at baseball, softball, volleyball, whatever thing. So they have all these select leagues, and what do they do? They play on the weekends. we got to drive to Dallas every weekend. we got to spend tons of money on hotels. But you don't understand, Brother Mark, my child is so gifted. And we're looking for those scholarships, and we're looking for all the money that will pay off on all that. And so I'm going to sacrifice teaching my family how important God is and the church is, and I'm sorry, but we're going to be gone every weekend. You know what courage is in today's market? Just to say, we're not going to do that as a family. I'm not going to advertise it to everybody. I'm just going to say, I'm going to sit down with my kids and say, we are not doing that. If we got to find another league or we got to find a different way, but we are not sacrificing our service to God to go play sports. That's the way you do it. Amen. What's another way? Somebody comes and say, whoo, Brother Mark, got this business deal. Now, it may seem just a tad shady, Brother Mark. You know, we got, we got to do some of the money is going to kind of come in a little bit under the table, Brother Mark. But don't you worry, Brother Mark. You just kind of just stick your hand out, and we'll just slide it to you under the table, okay? You ever have seen those kind of business deals? If you see a business deal and red flags immediately go up from a lack of integrity, say no. Say no. Just say no. Don't advertise it. Don't put it on social media. I turned the devil down today. Hashtag pray. Yay for me. No, just be a person of integrity. Be a person of character and just do the right thing. Just do the right thing. Here's another one. As a young person or as an older single person, I'm going with this person. I really want somebody. But, Brother Mark, this guy is pressuring me. He says if I love him, I will have sex with him. You need to break up with him immediately. No questions asked. Why? Because your integrity, you cannot sell out your integrity. 
You cannot sell out your character. I don't care how lonely you are. I don't care how badly you want to be with somebody. Do not sell yourself out. And you don't need to put it on social media. You don't need to bring attention to yourself. You just need to do the right thing. Just do the right thing. Don't give in to the what ifs. Oh, Brother Mark, I would love to change jobs because I feel like God's telling me to do this. But what if this happens? Oh, Brother Mark, I'd like to break up with them because I know it's a bad relationship. But what if I can't find anybody else? Or what if I can't find somebody to love me? What if I might die alone someday? What if? You see, too many people, we want to live in the what ifs. Well, Brother Mark, I would do stuff for God. I would serve God. I would surrender to God. I would surrender to the calling that God has on my life. But what if? You know what, Brother Martin? When you surrender to ministry, when I surrender to ministry, if you want to listen to the what ifs, you can listen to the what ifs all day long. But if you live in the what ifs, you're going to miss God. Amen? Because it's not in the what ifs. It's in the what is God going to do? So don't listen to the what ifs. The devil will put the what ifs in your ear. Well, what if this happens or what if this happens? Shut up. I know I say shut up a lot. I'm going to work on that. I promise y'all. All right. I say shut up a lot. And I just, I'm sorry. It's just the quickest way I know to get to the point. Amen. Uh, I'm going to work on that. I promise. Forgive me, Lord. All right. Let's go to number three before I say it again. All right. Uh, number three, here is the key to all of this. When you do what's right, you can always trust God with the results. Am I saying it will be easy? No. Am I saying you will not uh, face opposition? No. But I can promise you this. When you stick with God and when you do what's right, you can always trust God with the results. He will lead you exactly where he wants you to be. And you may think, well, what if I don't want to be there? People always tell me all the time, Brother Mark, I would surrender to the ministry, but I'm afraid he's going to call me to be a missionary to Africa. It's always a missionary, and it's always Africa. Now, I understand Africa needs Jesus, amen, uh, but why is it always Africa? That, I guess that's just the wildest place we can think of. And, guess what? And, and so people say, I can't surrender to God because I'm too afraid. What if he asks me to do something I don't really want to do? Listen, if he calls you to it, he will equip you for it, and he will give you a heart and a passion for it. Stop your thinking. Most of us, can I tell you this? Here's most of y'all's problems. Here's most of my problem. We overthink everything. Are you an analyzer? I'm not really an analyzer. I'm married to one, though. Amen. Hi, honey. How you doing back there? Good to see you. Uh, and, and quite honestly, we tend to overanalyze everything. We think it to death. We get those what ifs. I can guarantee you, when I talked about the what ifs, some of you immediately thought, oh, I could think of 100 right now off the top of my head. What if, some of you are the kings and queens of what ifs. Well, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? Or what if God doesn't allow this to happen? Or what if, stop it. Stop it. I didn't say shut up. I said stop it. <laughs> All right, just stop it, okay? Stop overthinking of it. There's a verse in the Bible that talks about living in the rhythms of his grace. I love that verse because that's the way you and I need to live life. Trust God, leave the results to him, and just live in the rhythms of his grace. All right? Live in the rhythms of his grace. Quit overthinking it. Quit overthinking it. And if God tells you to do it, just say, all right, God, I trust you, and just do it. All right. Now, this may seem oversimplified, but I'm here to tell you, Daniel had 80 years to think about this. 
He's 80 years old. God has been faithful to Daniel. And so Daniel says, you know what, God? You've been faithful to me in 80 years. You've given me a lot of favor. I probably don't even deserve to be in the position I'm in. But you put me there, so I'm going to trust you because you've been faithful to me for 80 years. So I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to go pray, and I'm going to pray out loud, and I'm going to pray where everybody can see me. And guess what? What do you think those two other governors were doing? They knew exactly where to show up. They knew his routine. They knew he prayed three times a day. They, I can guarantee you they knew what times it was, and they knew where he did it. So they show up with the king, and they go, see, king? Boom. Boom. Told you. There he is. And the king, King Darius, loves Daniel. And King Darius really doesn't want to do anything to Daniel, but he goes, oh, no. I made this decree, and I'm the king. And if I make the decree, I've got to go through with it. And so even though he doesn't really want to, he has to go through with it, the decree. And Daniel has broken the, broken the rule. And so let's read the last verses, 22 and 23. So King Darius goes, and he asks Daniel. He's, he's locked in there with the lions, and King Darius runs to there the next morning, and he says, Daniel, what happened? And then this is what Daniel responds. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. I guess that's shut up, isn't it? Uh, shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him, big H. And also, O king, I've done no wrong before you. Verse 23. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury whatsoever was found on him because he believed in his God. Now, do you believe in poetic justice? Because let me tell you the end of the story. The king liked Daniel, and he really didn't like how these guys tricked him, and he knew they tricked him, but he had to go through with it because he decreed it. So... Here's what happens at the end of the story. The king calls in those two guys because he knows they tricked him. And he says, these guys, these are the guys that need to be in the lion's den. So those two guys go in the lion's den. And guess what kind of favor of God they have on them? zippity doo dah Amen? No favor. What's a curse? What, what are you when you're cursed? It's not a, ooh, I cast a curse on you. That's not a curse. You know what a curse in the Bible, you know what a real curse is? A curse is what people had on them when they said, God, I don't like what you're doing. I want to do it my way. And God says, you want to do it your way? All right, I'll tell you what. I'm going to take my hand of protection, my hand of favor off of you, and now the devil can come at you with whatever he wants. You are cursed. A curse is not black magic. A curse is when God removes his hand of protection and favor from you. And those guys went in that lion's pit, and they didn't have no favor, and then they didn't have no protection, so they become hors d'oeuvres. Amen? All right. So, and then here's what happens. So the king realizes he's been tricked, brings those two guys in, puts them in the lion's den, their kitty food, and then he issues another decree. He changes the decree and says, you know what? I'm going to issue a decree that everyone in the kingdom shall fear the God of Daniel. Everyone in the kingdom shall fear the God of Daniel. I'm going to ask the band to come. And as they come, I want to remind you of this. Your battle is not against flesh and blood. You need to put on the full armor of God. 
Have you ever broken down the full armor of God? The full armor of God is this, the helmet of salvation. You know what the helmet of salvation does? You notice it starts up here. The helmet of salvation is to protect your mind from the enemy. It's to protect your mind from the enemy because every sin, everything you do wrong, every dumb decision in your life starts up here. Helmet of salvation. What's next? Breastplate of righteousness. You know what the breastplate protects? It protects your emotions, your feelings, and everything you get caught up in. You ever made decisions based solely on your emotions? You're going to mess up. If it's all based on your feelings and your emotions, you're going to mess up. That's what that breastplate of righteousness protects you from. Then it says the belt of truth. The belt of truth. I should be honest, upright, and truthful in all of my dealings. Not just spiritual, business too. Everything. Then it talks about the shoes of peace. You know what the shoes of peace does? It protects your feet so I can live at peace with all men. I can live at peace with my brother. I can live at peace with my sisters. I can live at peace even with my enemies because I am wearing the shoes of peace. And then it only has two other parts, and those are the shield of faith to protect me from the arrows of Satan and then the sword of the Spirit and his word. Amen. Only out of all of that armor, only one offensive weapon, and that's the Spirit and the word. Amen. If you want to go on the offensive against the enemy, it's the Spirit and his word. Amen. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? You're here today and you'd say, Brother Mark, I'm just really struggling and I don't know if I'm where I need to be with the Lord. I either need to give him my heart and life to, for salvation or I need to recommit myself to him. You can always just say this prayer. He's as close as a prayer away. So pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. And Lord, right now, the best way I know how, I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins and save me. Lord, I believe you died on that cross for my sins. And I ask you now to be my Lord and my Savior. Help me, Lord, to serve you. In Jesus' name. Have you prayed that prayer? Every head bowed, every eye still closed. If you prayed it for the first time or is your prayer of recommitment, I don't want to embarrass you, but I do want to pray with you. Anybody pray that prayer today for the first time, second time, hundredth time? Thank you. You want to come today and tell me, Brother Mark, I prayed that prayer. I would love and be honored to just pray over you today. We're going to have a time of response. If you need to come to the altar and pray, um, you can come and pray at the altar. If you need somebody to pray for you, Brother Martin will be on one side of the stage. I'll be on the other. If you need to just come and uh, join the church, whatever you need to do, Lord, have your will and your way during this time of response. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand if you would. You need to come now. You can come.
like to end with worship towards our Lord. So we're going to end with this song. Uh, he is the way, the truth, and the life. How many believe that this morning? He is the way, the truth, and the life. Let's sing it together if you would. All right.
Brother Martin, would you come here? I wanted to share something with you, and as we end today, I wanted us to, to end with prayer for Brother Martin. Um, Brother Martin and I have been having some conversations over the last few weeks, and uh, God is doing some, uh, some different things in him. Uh, he is feeling called uh, to uh, make a change in ministry. Uh, he's not he's not leaving us, but uh, he feels that transition of uh, coming out of youth ministry. And so he and I have had several conversations over the last few weeks, and uh, he and I have talked about this. This is not, and I can see on some of your faces, let me just nip it in the bud. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Uh, I came to this same transition in my life. I did um, youth ministry at two different times in my life. I did my first round in my 20s. And then I did two years of youth ministry in my 40s. And can I tell you, it was a whole lot different in my 40s. Amen. And uh, you just, you know, as your kids get older, as you get older, you don't have the same energy level. It, as you get older, it becomes harder and harder to relate to the young people like you need to sometimes. And so sometimes, uh, just like I did in my life, it's time to step aside and let somebody younger come in and do it. And so this is not a new thing. This hasn't caught me off guard. Um, Brother Martin came to me several weeks ago, and we've been having uh, discussions about that. He is not going to leave us in a lurch. Uh, he is getting us through the summer while we look for somebody, and we're already looking. We've already, we're already talking to a few people. And um, uh, let me tell you what you need to do. I heard a sermon a long time ago about how you just need to stop and shut up and pray. I don't remember when that was. It was a long time ago. But what do you need to do? Well, Brother Mark, what, what do I need to do? I need to come and talk to Brother Martin and ask him 100,000 questions. No, you do not. I need to go to Brother Mark, and I need to show him my belly button and give him my opinion. No, you do not. Amen. Uh, this didn't catch us off guard. We've already been having the discussion. God is already at work, and we're making the transition. Uh, this will take at least through the summer uh, for us to find somebody, and Brother Martin is still in charge. He's still helping us get through all that. Uh, but this is totally natural. Uh, he wants to kind of move into more of a position of uh, associate pastor. And so uh, we want to give him that opportunity, more teaching, more preaching. And so uh, this is a good thing, not a bad thing. So what I want to do and how I want to I end today, as everybody smiles at me, see, this is what happens when you give this kind of news, amen? God is always moving. Here, here's the one thing I've discovered. The one thing we all hate, but yet the one thing that is always guaranteed to happen is change. Amen? But change is good. Change is where God does the new things. When he says, I'm doing a new thing, there's all kinds of new things. And God has somebody to come in. God has new things for Brother Martin. And I'm, I'm thanking God that he's saying, I, I, Landmark's where I am. That's my family. That's my heart. I want to serve. I just want to serve the way in which, uh, in a different way. Amen? So, Brother Martin, I want you to stand down here. And I want anybody who wants to come and lay hands on him because we're praying for God's next chapter, what God wants to do, uh, the new things God wants to do in him, the new things God wants to do in our youth, and the person to do those things. We're praying for God because it is easy to just say, oh, Brother Mark, what if? Oh, Brother Mark, what if? What if this happens or what if that happens? Or, and uh, you don't need to worry about that. God is good. God's been faithful to Landmark Baptist Church. How many years have you done this, brother? Coming up on 17 years. I'd say the man, I'd say the man has done his time. Amen. 
He's been faithful. He's been faithful. And God's continuing to do faithful. God just wants to sometimes do a new thing. God told me at 46, Brother Mark, stop leading worship and go preach. And I said, you have lost your mind, God. <laughs> Amen. But he did it. He does a new thing. If God calls you to it, he will provide it for you. He will cover it for you. He will equip you. And God has another guy, and he's going to bring him in and maybe his family in, and God's going to do a new thing there. So I want to put a hand of blessing. I'm sorry. I'm, I got a sweaty palm on you, brother, but sorry. <laughs> but we're going to pray a prayer of blessing over this man, amen, that he would continue to be faithful, uh, maybe just in a different way, amen. Father, we love you. God, we love Brother Martin. Lord, we love him. I thank you, Lord, for his faithfulness. Thank you that his heart, Lord, thank you for the heart and passion he has for Landmark and the passion he has for these people and these young people especially, God. And he has served this time, God. He has served and been faithful. And so, Lord, I thank you that you're doing a new thing, Lord. Sometimes you change our hearts, you change our passions, you change what we're doing in ministry. And so, God, I just want to pray, Lord, would you have your will and your way in this man's life. Thank you for this man. He is my brother. He's not just a co-worker. He's not just a guy in ministry. He is my brother and my friend. And I pray your biggest blessings over him. And I pray for the next guy coming in. It's big shoes to fill. But, God, you have a, you have a person that you want to bring in here, God. And so we pray for God's person to put in this position. And, Lord, just let our young people thrive. And I pray that we'd see more young people uh, in this place and more young people get saved than ever before. We pray all this in the strong, powerful name of our provider and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.